Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. This discussion is about the infrastructure behind augmented reality. And we really dive into how augmented reality will take place in our environment. And, and if it's already here, and the spoiler is it is, and, and how we are actually building augmented reality systems and where they're showing up in our daily lives, uh, which we believe very strongly will be in the automotive space uh, for a whole bunch of reasons, uh, including ease, progress so far, and profit motives. Um, and also we talk about why it's so hard to build the networks of infrastructure that need to be consumed or make augmented reality so much easier. A lot of really fascinating topics about the intersection between tech, society, and commercial interests. So I know you will enjoy the discussion. So the, the topic the topic today, we've, we've talked about AR and VR quite a bit um, as, a, as a forward technology and then metaverse and meta is um, I, I can't tell if they're doing this the, like deliberately, but it seems like every ad in the world at the moment is like decided to feature the metaverse in their advertising, whether they're, they're I don't think they're doing it to support meta or Facebook, but it's the thing, um, and, which is great. And uh I think that from an opera, you know, I've, I've run VR rigs. I've, I've seen some of the AR VR stuff. I'd love to talk about what it's going to take to actually have these as operational systems. Um, yeah, it, there's, well, because <laughs> Bryson is jump feet first into the course. <laughs> I can talk about that. So I would part, to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when we were rolling out 5G, and this started a couple of years ago, and I was involved in this, the question is, is what's the killer app, right? What is going to get people to be interested in 5G? We're dropping billions of dollars on this stuff. We bought a ton of spectrum, and we're betting the farm on it. And, you know, the question became, well, what can we find that will get people to be interested? And AR and VR was one of them, because you can't really do it uh, without a lot of spectrum, to, you know, a lot of bandwidth. And that's what broadband offers, uh, or that's what 5G offers, bandwidth. And um, so we did, like, we wrote up a whole bunch of use cases to support AR and VR, you know, um, repair. Um, in fact, actually, um, my understanding is that Verizon repair technicians actually use it in the field now because we did it, you know, kind of eat dog food kind of thing. And we've been pushing it for like healthcare in the healthcare industry. I'm not sure that's caught on, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, from a telecom perspective, you need the bandwidth um, and you need it it, it's not just content download, it's both directions, right? Yeah. Yeah, because you have to you have to have a system that's 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 powerful enough and strong enough to analyze the environment that you're in, right? I mean, it's not just a matter of like like a VR set, you're captive in the world. You need to know where you are spatially, but 
you don't have to worry about you know stuff in the room. <laughs> right. I mean, you do if you're not going to bump into it. But the VR usually VR VR doesn't incorporate um, <clears throat> environmental components, but AR has to. AR has to. AR is the far more um, uh, difficult problem because you need you need two way. It, you know the the dirty secret about you know broadband, Comcast, and all those guys is it's really it's really not a two-way system. <laughs> you know, it's 80 down, 20 up if you're lucky. <laughs> um, well, but which brings me to the, my expectation is that we're going to do this with local um, infrastructure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you it's, 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 you know, you're going to, you're going to have the, com- the computing either in your house or on, in your phone or, know potentially at you know the the point of presence for your your broadband right you could do that you could you could your fiber could get get you a low enough latency connection back to a neighborhood data center yeah that's i mean that's the whole point of wavelength right uh could you explain wavelength oh the google yeah good but no it's aws Okay. okay. So one of the what Huawei was kind of sort of fishing slash pushing for for killer app on uh, 5G was immersive, large audience AR like in sporting events. So they were selling special equipment, uh, IT, et cetera, for stadiums and things like that. So that you could either like, I don't know if they were doing heads up or whatnot, but they had some scheme where you would actually want to be always connected and interacting and maybe commenting with the crowd in a sports arena hmm. they did that at the super bowl last year and they're going to do it again this year verizon's yeah. going to do it. yeah okay when you're paying six thousand dollars for nosebleed seats <laughs> <laughs> well and the the question is whether they actually actually accomplish better interaction and whether you actually need 5g to, to make it work but they're going to use the 5g to uh, try and see if they can get some sort of gotta have application type thing. But yeah, a killer app for 5G doesn't exist yet. It doesn't. <laughs> you know, stadium, stadium experience, let's be honest, you don't really need 5G for it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I shouldn't say that because I'm, you know, officially a Verizon person. I should say, oh, of course you need 5G. <laughs> so well, my take is that this metaverse thing is kind of not all about people. Or maybe only by way of example. So if Zuck's avatar is not in time with Zuck's speech, it sucks. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> the computation, which is make the avatar show up, um, 
which is an application, obviously has to stay in time with other things, like a speech. Okay, cool. This is fundamentally important for the next generation of automation. So take humans out of the loop. Metaverse for me means the following things, that <clears throat> big distributed applications have to stay in sync with the things that they are controlling. Okay? So, examples. My car needs to know when to turn at the, at the lights ahead. Okay? Yeah. My, oh, and so, that's, you know, no human in the loop, really. That is, if applications are controlling large numbers of distributed um, automated things, then the applications have to be able to stay in sync with the world. They do. And uh, and actually, Verizon um, launched a product that addresses that because it's a problem for drones, autonomous cars, Bingo. Uh, yep. supply chain, all that. What you need is pinpoint GPS locations. You know, it's not good enough, you know, just satellite GPS gets you down to, I don't know, a meter, I think, which, you know, if you're, if you're driving, you know, if you're using it for directions, that's sufficient. Um, but it isn't if you're driving a drone or using it to drive your car down the street. <laughs> and it so, depends upon the GPS. Some, uh, they're, they're different levels. Uh, the high-end stuff is down can get you down to like a foot, but we don't have that. They don't give us access to that. That's uh, DOD government stuff. But um, yeah, but that is GPS, that was what Verizon launched last year. Uh, right. And other GPS is anywhere between one meter, three meters. Yeah. And uh, you also don't get um, altitude particularly well, especially so, inside buildings. Here's and a with funny 5G, thing. it's even worse. Well, the GPS uh, purposefully uh, um, becomes uh, inaccurate at high altitudes. Like yes. it, 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 it's explicitly it disables at a certain altitude to prevent off-the-shelf GPS systems to be used to build cruise missiles. Yes, but it, by the way, also... here's a here's a crazy <laughs> fact: <clears throat> Verizon does know you to, you know, within feet. In the sense that triangulation of the cell towers gives you super high quality data. And so relying on the cell phone GPS may be shite. But if you rely on stuff you have and you do the appropriate triangulation of the radio signals that you have, you can get pretty damn good. Oops. So yeah. I can place you in. I can place you in the room of a house, or in the room, of, or, you know, in a building, mm. very easily. But that's effectively what what Google does with their with their Wi-Fi uh, GPS. They they try yes, <clears throat> but if you triangulate off, say, cell towers, which is day that naturally Verizon has. You can get really, really close, right? As long as there there towers enough towers in the area, so right. rural areas get a little bit wonky, right? 
Well, that's where that's where the that's where the C band um, deployment will help. Because cell towers, by their nature, still do triangulate, even if the triangulation is a little further apart in the rural areas. And by the way, Verizon has 4G and 5G, so there yes. are always cell towers near me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there's still some roads out there that are are pretty iffy uh, out yeah. in the southwest desert and Utah. Yeah. Luckily, so luckily, yeah, but- very few customers. Oh, there. I will tell you there. There is an area of the country that has a fair number of customers that the cell tower is pretty spotty in. That's the Appalachian Mountains, so in Tennessee and Virginia and that area, those areas up in the mountains. It's definitely still spotty. And uh, and you also get the um, the multi bounding and stuff like that. The problems with the mountains, you have to do lots yeah. of. Um, uh, you have to process the data a lot to make sure that you're getting the real signal and not reflection signal and diffraction signal. But like for the, the thing is, is you do need those, those spots in Utah and Montana and whatnot, because those are trucker routes. Yep. So for autonomous driving, you really do need at least the highways covered and some of the more popular back roads covered to provide access to the long haulers yeah 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 for, for sure um and of course you have to have the um the airports covered hello <laughs> uh the F- fcc or the faa does seem to be getting their act together well they're getting it closer yeah well, i i think uh agit pie kind of like screwed the pooch on that one and and kind of said we're doing it we don't care about you guys and yeah, so yeah. they just kind of took their toys and went home. Uh, so interagency fight is what created that whole thing. But that's happening also with aut- autonomous cars now, too, and that the FCC is or might have already sold band- bandwidth that was specifically allocated for vehicles and they're saying, oh, well, the vehicles haven't used it in 20 years, so we're taking it back. And the vehicles are just now being able to use it. And all these autonomous car companies are going, no, you're screwing us over. And the FCC is going, tough titties. Yeah, well, you know, the autonomous car market is sexy stuff, you know, the Teslas, you know, but that's not where the money is. It's, It's the trucks. It's the well, trend. and that's those are the folks who are bitching. Uh, yeah. friend who was working for the for a trucking company that was building, uh, they were doing um, the um, uh, so you would have a lead truck that had a driver, and then the rest of the trucks would be robotic mm-hmm. following. And yeah, they were, wait, they've yet again reinvented the railroad. the train. yep (laughs) but it kind of sort of made sense it makes sense and uh the key is is it deals with the the um fact that there aren't enough truckers and uh if you've got uh the the trucks uh you know convoys uh 
are a thing and can do a thing. So it's like, yeah, you get like three trucks together and that's an extra uh, six or, or nine, uh, well, an extra uh, six, uh, six containers. That's not bad. You get nine containers instead of three for from a single trucker. Not, not to mention the the efficiency gains from slipstreaming the trucks, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but also like again, since, since we're talking about road trains, one of the the big advantage over conventional railroad is that um, if there's an obstruction, they, they can navigate around it. Like, on, yeah. on, on on a track, you're stuck on the track. Yeah, there's two big advantages. One. Um, you can you you're using roads that um, the railroads don't pay for. <laughs> that's yes. that's infrastructure. That's huge. That is probably the biggest advantage that they have. <laughs> yes, and and the uh, the the real person in front deals with a lot of the problems that autonomous uh, vehicles can't deal with, which is you know. A, obstructions that are not uh, networked in. Right. But I think also that there's there's been also some some movement in, and I don't think it's actually been done yet, but to um, block off a lane just for the trucks, autonomous trucks on, on, the, on the long haul uh, roads, you know, mm -hmm. on the interstate. That would be interesting because they keep talking in California of not adding a lane to five and they would need to add a lane to five. They would have to add a lane to five. Yeah, it's true. Well, I, I would imagine also that hmm. even though the, the lane might be reserved for autonomous convoys or, or trucks, uh, that there might even be a way for, let's say, passenger uh, vehicle to, to drive onto a flat car and, and, and Cool a long haul along with a convoy. Well, That's like a ferry. <laughs> yeah, kind of like a ferry. Yeah, we, we're reinventing uh, um, um, things all, all the time right here. Um, <laughs> well, there are, you know, in many places they have the, uh, the, the H, uh, high, you know, HRV lanes, uh, high occupancy vehicle lanes, which generally cover they don't cover trucks right now but they do cover buses which is another uh, buses could also be autonomous so they're they're also talking about uh and i've been trying to turn el camino the main road that literally goes all the way from san diego up through california through the southern the uh, south and mid peninsula in the Bay Area up to San Francisco. They're talking about making El Camino on the in the South Bay and on the peninsula having a dedicated bus lane. Interesting. And, and they've been talking about that for like four or five years, and everybody, all the all the people say no freaking way. And then COVID hit, and. Uh, <laughs> And the issue became that, well, they don't have enough drivers right now, but also lots of people don't want to ride on public transport because of COVID. Right. Mm. Yep. So we've yeah, been we getting- have, The Boston area has dedicated bus lanes. 
they're, they're frequently in areas that had trolleys and where they took the trolleys out. I think El Camino uh, had trolleys at one point. In parts of it, yes. Yeah, certainly uh, in Palo Alto, they, it had trolleys. Yeah, they they had um, they had streetcars in San Jose. Also, the the street one block over from mine was one of the major trolley lines. Mm. University oh, yeah. University Avenue is tiny little. You know, it's just a residential street, but it goes to what used to be College of the Pacific and now is a Catholic boys school. <laughs> so we got we went down this avenue talking about GPS and placement and location and AI processing, right? That's the Yeah. And um, so Yeah. So the the along these lines uh and the question is, with 5G, could 5G actually help with things like heads-up displays and stuff like that? And would heads-up displays actually work or help out or anything on, uh, you know, can a AR or VR help in the autonomous vehicle area? Because the, the problem is, it's like a lot of times they're saying identify obstacles. Cars, people, bicycles, things like that. And yeah, and yeah. you would think that before they actually had autonomous driving rely on these things, you'd want to have it like more in a heads up display where people kind of do the the QA on it and complain about things that don't work right. Well, I but one of, so one of the things to me about AR. And and there's a different intersection between that and autonomous cars that that we we're not talking about, which is beacon, right? That the the thing that it, to me about that makes AR reasonable is not that you overlay a ton of stuff onto the environment, although right that's the goal, but it would also be that there's actually the things that are there. The first step is going to be to say, all right, I'm going to put a beacon on the traffic light. So that when I look at the traffic light, I actually can get a data feed from it. Instead of yeah. trying to interpret its shape, <laughs> um, I should be able to, to, to be in the environment and pick up the beacon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in the Boston, I assume this is other parts of the world as well. But in the Boston area, if you get on a bus, as you come up to the um, the stop, it, you know, there's a beacon on the stop and it announces yeah. Come up to you know Park Ave or whatever it is. Yeah, so Robbie, I, I you know it seems to be a no-brainer kind of infrastructure thing to do, right? Yeah. If you're thinking on the Build Back Better theme, it'd be like let's automate the infrastructure in the sense of instrumenting it, so it will tell you all about itself. Mm -hmm. And then you know there are tons of applications which could use better accuracy. Um, for example, I mean, a Tesla, you know, is easy to attack by faking out a stop sign or, or something, right? So what you want is infrastructure which tells you about its current state and and so on. You, you also want verifiability of the data. On, yeah, absolutely. And, and the ability in, in, in your sensor network to discard conflicting sensor input. 
Yes, because what we now know is that everything you do for good purposes will be used <laughs> to attack you. <laughs> yeah, and, and that that was actually the angle, like uh, hmm. a couple of sessions back, when when, when I when I suggested uh, almost jokingly that that uh, perhaps you should consider this uh, ledger technology for for edge systems. Yeah. Was was this oh, scenario I, I, in, in that you want to be able to verify uh, not only the authenticity of a single producer, but but also the veracity of of the input that it produces, uh, and if necessary, drop it uh, as a, as a single. Yes, I agree with you. Boy, that that adds a layer, though, doesn't it? Oh yeah, I mean, so so right now you're in this really scary state where basically you have cameras trying to do this visual decompilation of the world into things like that looks like a stop sign um, versus, you know, beacons or whatever on the infrastructure, which tell you about it in a really useful semantic way, but then it could be used to attack you. Yeah, and, and the, the more effective autonomous systems use a combination of inputs. Like they, they use cameras, uh, radar, lidar, uh, potentially beacons as well, uh, right. uh, and and they compose uh, uh, effectively a digital twin of the world around them, uh, and uh, make their, uh, their 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 steering decisions accordingly. Yeah. So let me tell you one thing we do. This is in, in Dubai. <clears throat> when a truck has bad cornering behavior or bad braking behavior, route it in real time to an inspector on the streets in front of it. Hmm. That's AR in the sense that you're not trying to replace human, you're just trying to make them better, right? Now it's kind of spooky, but uh, that's AR. That's kind of cool. Mm. Uh, go, going back to applications of, of ARVR and, and, and mm. within the autonomous uh, vehicle uh, context, um, also have to consider that, that autonomous driving is likely not going to start out as end-to-end, -end, particularly for, 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 for transport vehicles. It's likely going to be uh, from... Uh, like point of interest to point of interest, like, like say, like a switching yard outside one uh, one city to a switching yard outside another city. And then a human needs to take over and take the vehicle from the switching yard to a local destination. That could perhaps be an application for AR and VR. Uh, and in more the classic sense of AR and VR. So and, and here, here's... Uh, political business, whatever reality, and that is all all this infrastructure stuff and whatnot. Uh, what we're talking about is essentially smart cities, but everybody, all the politicos who talk smart cities are really talking um, surveillance because they want something, they want more immediate feedback on their investment to make the city smart than just eventually being able to have fewer accidents, better flow and control, and maybe uh, autonomous vehicles and whatnot on the road. 
So you've got to fight that too. Um, so, the third thing is, hey, is yeah, you're you need right. to get standards on the beacons so that you know, yeah. obviously they can be pretty darn cheap. But if you don't have standards, then you've got multiple different groups coming out with different standards. And then they don't really play well across a country. So they can be individually cheap. But if you bind to what class said, which I absolutely agree with, they have to be crypto capable, which means they're going to need some source of power. Otherwise, oh, definitely. it's oh, going to be a crapshoot. And so you could hmm. do traffic lights, but stop signs in most instances wouldn't work. Uh, it's very low power. You stick, you stick a little uh, uh, solar panel on it. Yeah, and there's also uh, long They, they can also be passive. Batteries. Yeah, they can be passive. They I mean, the can. ones. Well, you ones you on don't you buses. don't need you need oh, one okay. one per intersection. You're not. We don't need the sign necessarily to have. Right. Well, the, the intersection. Uh, so the traffic stuff we've done. Just to right. tell you, I mean, we instrument every single lane, every single loop, every single button on every single intersection and every light. Sure. And but we do this without sensors because you know fortunately all those things you know they report back to the city data management system what yeah. their current state is for every one of you know in Vegas 50,000 intersections maybe it's you know 200,000 things um so <clears throat> You can kind of see what's going on, but sure, you could also attack it. So often no new sensors required, but if you're going to really rely on it, probably. <laughs> well, and, and things like stop signs, uh, a lot of them are not in an area where uh, uh, solar panels would work, but hmm. even though you need a source of power, it's pretty freaking low level. So you could do a, a long life battery uh, that would provide enough for like a five year cycle or something along those lines. And five year cycle is not all that bad. But then again, you it, think it, what it, happens it if something takes out the freaking sign in an accident or an act of vandalism? Right. Or just, or just a prank where they're, you know, you know, moving the well, sign or changing the sign or exactly. Well, it's an active prank, event. but in general, the I think the one if you take the zero trust arguments to heart, yeah. What you know is that any cool thing you think of will be used to attack you. <laughs> yes, Fair enough. and if you're relying on a analog analog to digital conversion say cameras to it's a stop sign um then it's a huge new attack surface on, on the other hand it, it's also not worse than what we have right now with with with, with human interpretation of science like someone puts a burlap sack on, on, on top of a stop sign, that stop sign is gone. Yeah, that that you're right. That's the Elon Musk argument, which is that 
these systems are going to be better than humans. And, and, and in any case, yeah, again, like as long as we don't take every input uh, for granted, uh, yes. and, and, and as, as, as being absolutely true, we, we, can, we can create a combined picture of what is surrounding the, the autonomous vehicle yes. uh, and, and make decisions about it. Even if, right. there, even if there is no stop sign, an, an autonomous vehicle approaching an intersection would still be monitoring for other vehicles yeah. in, in cross traffic. And if it detects an, an, a vehicle approaching at a velocity that, that, that would make it guess that, that it will crash into it, it should take uh, evasive action. I, yes. but I, I, would, I would go even, even stronger than that because you know, these systems are all gonna, should be operating not off discovered data, but off of, of known, you know, known yes. maps. What I what I would expect is a vehicle approaching. Let's not even take. Let's say it's like an augmented reality vehicle, something that has driver assistance, which is not too far fetched. Approaching an intersection would know, you know, what the, the what the, this is approaching a, a an augmented intersection, and would know the inventory of what it expects to find in that augmented intersection, and if there's things missing or not matching signatures, then that vehicle is going to going to send up alerts and flags and say, "Wait, something's weird, right?" It's not just the the, the augmented. This to me is the important thing about augmented reality, and what makes it so interesting from a security topology is it's not just that you're walking into the environment and expecting the environment to be a zero trust environment. You should have an inventory, and if things are out of place or signatures don't match, I would expect that your interaction with that would actually generate a lot of actionable or, you know, either panics or actionable data. I, I wouldn't expect it to, to create a, to, to trigger panic for the, the passenger or, or, or the driver in, in, huh. in a semi-autonomous vehicle. Uh, but I would expect it to push telemetry to who, whoever is the authority responsible for maintaining the infrastructure saying, hey, the data I have about this intersection doesn't match what I see and, sub, uh, and, and, and trigger the, 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 that set authority to, to send someone to, uh, to verify that. And in fact, that's happening right now already. Like with, 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 like with simple te telematics uh, uh, systems mm. in, in, in Japan, they, they, they equip their vehicles with, with the G4 sensors. And whenever a car drives over a pothole, this sends a signal for a team to go in and fill the pothole. Right, simple. Yeah. They know the location, they know they, they have the accelerometer data. Yeah. That is an excellent opt-in. But from what we're saying here, you know, having cars be our first augmented reality experience seems to me making more and more sense to me that Right, we have a lot of incentive to create the um, augmented yeah, sure. environment that they're going to navigate in. We have high safety reasons to do it. We have a very limited plane of control. Like you're not worried about somebody turning their head. You could actually say, "All right, the the, the AR vision area for the car is you know what's what's through the windshield." We already have cameras looking there. 
it's really mm-hmm. just a question of of providing like if if we had the sensor networks out there we would we would get the feedback i mean tesla's already provide you with car you know front car looking radar when they you know it's an augmented thing and, and, to, and to a degree we already have that we're already living that like Subaru, for example they they're they're in they're in in their tps system in their infotainment it it will tell you what their what the known speed limit is at the location that you're at without looking at the at the signs this is based off, off of their maps so that's of that's augmented reality already like it it, it knows where you are and it and it gives information about your surrounding so google maps is augmented reality in that definition yes absolutely wise or sorry waste the their the, like the their, their other one where 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 drivers can submit information about road hazards life so so yeah we, we are already living ar it, it's just not in 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 the sci-fi sense that that, that we think not about. in a pair of glasses yeah <laughs> I mean, I think they're just given another example of that. So um, uh, Christian Riley, when he was at Bechtel, one of the apps that they built is they they took an iPad with a camera on it, and they found this application that could sort of recognize logos, um, but they adapted it so that it would recognize labels on pipes, and so. Um, the construction worker could go dig up a pipe somewhere, undo its label, point the um, the camera at it from the iPad, and then they fairly quickly get all of the information, not only about that type of pipe and the material used and all that, but that specific length of pipe. Who installed it? What glue did they use to connect it to the other elements mm-hmm. of it? How long had it been there? Right, All that kind of stuff. And you know, that is to me that, you know, and that was like four or five years ago now. So that to me is easily augmented reality. It's just not in a pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. So I, so in my under my interpretation of the metaverse theme, much as I, I don't think it's about Zuck and the virtual water cooler. I do think it's about increasing um, the automation of responses due to environmental sensors or interpretation, the way James was saying. So I, you know, the AR, maybe AR in a broad sense is metaverse. Right. No, I, and I, I agree with that. I think to me, metaverse is extending the graph of knowledge that is the internet to non textual forms and non keyboard related mediums. Right. I mean, it's certainly there can be an immersive quality about that if that turns out to be user interface that people want to use every day for this stuff. I'm not convinced yet that it is, um, but at the very least, for you to be able to, you know, uh, in any given situation, it's sort of the the old search 
you know, and uh, the old Google guys uh, thing about just, you know, having information instantly available when you when you want it. Um, that's what I think, you know, extending the graph to more things, the Internet of Things, but also then extending the mechanisms by which you, you as a person interact with the graph is going to give sort of the next level of Internet in that way, in the sense that in the sense that um, that you're not going to be reliant on pulling a device out of your pocket or sitting down at your desk uh, as much, but that's going to be more readily available, maybe maybe even pushed to you. Um, things that we wanted to do forever, but are more possible now because the level of of networking, the speed of networking, and the technologies we have to support connecting all this data has gotten finally gotten to a point where it's more reasonable. So let me um, hmm. suggest another problem, and that is domains of control. The reason that Tesla is in the analog domain is there's no way, even if the infrastructure was um, instrumented, that they would have access to all the data. They'd have to negotiate with every single city to get access to data and it would be a disaster. So it's kind of easier for them to go back, uh, fall back on the analog domain and say, cool, we'll find out and interpret whether the video contains a stop sign. And so often the domains of control of the, this edge data, um, sensors and so on, determine whether or not you can actually build an application which does some cool AR thing. It's a major, major challenge. So one of the things I'm hearing here since we all went to, to autonom autonomous vehicles and driving and buses and roads and stuff like that, is if we're looking for a laboratory to figure out how to, to increase the utility and usability of AR and VR, Facebook went the wrong way. Because their metaverse with people <laughs> is just not going to provide the right space to find ARVR utility. We're, we keep talking about vehicles and roads and uh, community outside, like you said, outside of the text, like James said, outside of the textual, to expand and include this computing capability. So I'm thinking that maybe the metaverse is a not so much a dead end, but a, a slow end to actually speed up acceptance of AR and VR. And well, we should look elsewhere. And we're, we are looking elsewhere. We're all looking elsewhere. And so that's why we don't take the metaverse uh, from Facebook seriously. I, I think that the, the reason why, why we don't take it seriously it's not necessarily that because what one thing that, that that facebook does have is information about the users that yes that we don't have in these other domains we have intermediate in, like an in, in autonomous vehicle in the domain we, we have a lot of information about the environments not so much about users 
but uh, especially about user intentions and, and threats. But ultimately, the reason why I, I believe Facebook is not being taken seriously is their motivation. Like they, they don't want to, to work on, on, on automation. They don't want to, to work on AR and, and VR itself. They, they just see it as a vehicle to get more information about their users. I, 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 would, I agree to a certain point with that. I, I think the, the biggest business out there um, is, has been misinterpted um, it, the term has been used, so let me say I'm not inventing anything here. Um, but um, I think the the big boom that is the technology boom has been about mining, and it has been about mining two things. It has been about mining information, yeah, and it has been about mining cash flow, not not just money, but the but oh, changing the the movement of money. Yeah. Um, in into a different form that benefits the people that own the, the technical um, hierarchy. So, um, so I, I in that sense, I, I completely, I'm completely with you there. I, I think, uh, I think that all of the work that Facebook does for sure, and that most other tech companies, Amazon included, um, most of that is in in the in the service of figuring out all the data they need in order to be able to come back at you and influence your behavior. That's, that's what the big boom has been for the last 25 years. Yes. So Facebook is going to go towards the, the metaverse where if you're always in the metaverse, it's that for some reason I see uh, Tom, what's his name, uh, walking through a street and having all these, ads in AR uh, bombard him as he walks past. Yeah, minority report now. style. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. By the way, one, one other factor which I think is important is this, that in the application domain, if the marginal cost of being wrong is high, it's a clear sign that you're in for an uphill battle. Um, let me explain that. In terms of an example, um, if I can make the world easier to navigate, that's a good thing. But if the likelihood that I kill somebody is high if I'm wrong, then it's very, very difficult to make the application stick. So, you know, making your navigation easier, Google Maps, yeah, all benefit and very low downside risk. But correctly navigating every street without colliding with something, very hard. And the marginal cost of being wrong is potentially very high. Which is, which is exactly why uh, autonomous vehicle um, uh, R&D has focused on highways. Because all the vehicles are going in the same directions. There's yeah, barriers on both sides. Yeah. Yep. And, and they're cleaner and... I mean, they're just better roads, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Musk is kind of bullshitting when he says autonomous vehicle or full self-driving mode. He knows it. Um, it may be better at in actual real terms in terms of the number of fatalities. We just don't know. Um, but ultimately, 
the cost of being wrong is potentially very high. Yeah, that's the there's and then there we have the weird problems that we create because it only seems to make and we're at it we're over time. Seems to me like there's we're we're ripe we we should be augmenting the environment to make it, this problem easier and there's so much working against doing that that we won't <clears throat> we, we, we or, can. It'll, or it'll surface or it'll surfaces you know qr code stickers or something like that that are not right. not, not more active systems we, we, we totally can augment the environment. It's it just we, we, we have to look beyond the, the trust model that, that we use right now. And well, and the funding model. Yeah. Like, I think I think we'll see it. We'll see it on highways because there's a there's a huge financial incentive in it. But my expectation is it won't be maintained by governments, but it will be maintained like the rail railway systems as basically railroad as, uh, you know, railroads that you subscribe to yes if they're smart enough and if they and if it's insecure that is if sensors don't are provably secure then we're in deep trouble i the, the funny thing about about the way we commercialize stuff here in the u.s and other places but you know is that the fact that you're paying for it drives the security even more than the fact that it has a utility Wait up! You pay for Windows, right? Or used to? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And that drove the security? Nope. It drove no. the attacker. It drove the attacker because there was money. Yeah, but it it also drove, um, you know, it, it became much harder to create get have an illegal version of Windows, right? It actually drove a whole industry around installing it, reinstalling it. All those things, right? If I if you put together a sensor network as a commercial enterprise on a highway, you're you're not going to be securing it because you want security in that sensor network. You're going to be securing it because you don't want somebody using it who's not paying for it. Right. Oh, and yeah, that's good. Yeah. By well, the way, that's what I'm the saying. <laughs> the corollary would be that um, a good way to attack, or at least potentially attack other countries would be to exploit what they're going to do, which is deploy shitty, exploitable infrastructure, right? Yeah. Uh, if anything, like with, with, the, with the sensor networks, I would be more worried on, on from the consumer perspective that I might get locked out uh, of the ability to use certain sensor networks uh, because not not because I'm not paying for it, but because what I'm paying for uh, does is not partnering with them. I I, I want to be able to use open source sensor networks, e even if it, even if their their authenticity cannot be verified, if they're sufficiently accurate to to enhance my reality, then I might not care. Okay, so here, here's a, an easy, non-open source AR uh, I'm adding advancement this to that Google could do virtually in the next uh, within the next year. And that is turn Google Maps into a heads up where you put the speed limit if, if you've got it in the system 
on you project it all on the windshield you project the the roads on the windshield you project the turns on the windshield mm-hmm. so and you just like outline where you're supposed to turn and it matches the road and whatnot it's a fast easy thing so on instead them. of the stupid assistance tied into the car with entertainment right <laughs> but they're still going for the entertainment stuff <laughs> instead <laughs> I, well, I think I think that has uh, there's a regulatory piece. Of that. All right, we are way over time, so I'm going to wrap this up. I love <laughs> these conversations get going, and then they're hard to stop. <laughs> Thank you all. I will. We will. We will bring this back up. It's was surprisingly uh, robust as a conversation. <laughs> so I will talk to you all soon, and have a good afternoon. You Cheers. too. Wow. This is one of those conversations that once we got going, we really wanted to keep going. Um, there's so much to unpack in how computing will interact with our lives and the opportunity to have really great experiences and really improve our interactions. And yet it seems like those are really constrained by a lot of variables about who's going to pay for them and how we're going to standardize and who can move first uh, on it. And also what we want as part of a human experience. I know we're going to keep coming back to these topics, so please join us at the 2030.cloud. Be part of these uh, engaging roundtable discussions. We want to hear from you too. And I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.